All right, so um, I have wanted to teach at least some version of, of this class for a long time. Um, it's not for sure to me that this is exactly going to be the class that I had at least initially intended to teach a while back or even started this week, but um, I, I have entitled the class Beating Burnout, and... Uh, and so I just I want to read the description that I gave to it, um, and then uh, mostly this morning I just want to take some time to walk through some of the components of the description of this class. Um, I really do hope that this can be uh, interactive. I, I I don't want to just talk and talk and talk. I think this is a very practical class. It's meant to be extremely helpful to each of us, and I think we all have our own experiences with this type of, of thing, and so I, I really do want to, to hear from you today. Maybe not quite as much. I want to set the stage, but as we go, I, I want there, if you have questions or um, feedback, and I'll ask questions, and, and I want it to be as interactive as, as possible. I know this room isn't necessarily conducive to, to that, uh, and so feel free either now or in the coming weeks to, to slot, you know, save your seat if you want for worship, but you can slide on up to the front and we can, you know, have more dialogue. But um, I, I, won't, I won't start roping off chairs or anything just yet. Um, so here's, here's what I wrote. Here's the description of the class. I said, life in 2022 is fast-paced, frenetic, and let's be honest, pretty exhausting at times. With the invention of the smartphone and other such productivity devices, we are inundated with a never-ending stream of requests, tasks, opportunities, and distractions, among other things. Uh, Despite being in constant communication with other people, we are lonelier than ever, it seems. Despite having extremely high levels of efficiency in the task that we perform, we seem to be less effective than ever. And we'll define and talk about the difference between efficiency and effectiveness, if need be, uh, at uh, a later point. All right, beyond that, we are generally depressed, anxious, stressed out, and joyless much of the time. We spend our time doing many good things, but the pace of life for many of us, frankly, is unsustainable. So this class aims to offer hope for the future, honest questions for identifying warning signs of burnout, and help for developing practical strategies to build healthy patterns of living in order to reach the finish line. So to introduce that, uh, having just read it, to introduce a little further those concepts, um, you guys seen the movie Cars, right? The classic Disney film. Um, if you, uh, what happens in, in the beginning, that, that first race in the beginning of the film? What's, uh, what's his, Lightning McQueen, right? What's his deal? What's he, he's in this race, and um, what does he not do? Well, he doesn't win, but why? What? No pit stop, right? Is that what you're saying? Arrogant, right? So he was arrogant, 
and he doesn't take a pit stop, right? So he's clearly, like, in himself, in his carness, the best car out there. The fastest car out there should have won the race by a country mile. But he doesn't take a pit stop. And so what happens, he, I think he blows a tire or something on the last, the last turn, and then he's like, you know, he's, hot, he's, he's, he's lunging forward trying to make it, and then the two, the two other cars, right, they end up, all three of them tie because he's got his tongue sticking out or something. So he doesn't win, but he doesn't, doesn't lose. You know, that would have been, you know, in some ways more fitting uh, analogy to this class if he had just lost and the movie had been over. Um, but... Uh, you know, so we, we see that happen, and then, uh, or what about the, the story of the, uh, the, the tortoise and the hare, right, from Aesop's fables, right? What happens there? The hare, they, they race, and what? He gets arrogant, right? And he speeds ahead, he takes a, and apparently the, the, the jog to the last little bit of the race was more tiring than he thought, because when he takes a nap, he just keeps right on sleeping. And the turtle, slow and steady, wins the race, ends up finishing and winning. Um, so one might be, you know, you're not, maybe there's not a, a general taking, just a general taking care, realizing where your weak spots may be. Maybe you run out of energy. You don't get hurt like you do in the cars race, but in the tortoise and the hare race, you're just too tired. Maybe a, a, a final analogy here. Um, if any of you have ever seen the, the show The Office, there's an episode where Michael uh, hits one of his employees with his car and uh, finds out that she had been bit by a rat or something way uh, a long time ago and was worried she had rabies. So he, he, run, he throws this uh, fun run. He's trying to cure rabies or cure the fear of rabies or something like that. And he ends up, he doesn't drink any water and he, he, all he does is eat uh, tons of like pasta carbonara something like that and he starts running he takes off he's in this race and he wants to win and everyone's like yeah you go boss and then he ends up dead last because he's puking his guts out and uh, was not prepared at all so he, he wasn't properly fueled for this race right and so there's all kinds of things you think about a race about why you might start even start really well but not finish well in Acts chapter 20, verse 24, Paul says this. He says, I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Now, Paul was an apostle. We are not, most of us in this room, right, are not even in full-time vocational ministry or anything like that, but we are Christians, and we do have a ministry from the Lord, a calling. We have a life to live. We have a course to run. We have a race to finish. And so this verse and then a a passage in Hebrews are going to be two texts that I want us to Perhaps we'll maybe memorize together. We'll do that. And just to think on, reflect on, and, and come back to often throughout this class. As we think about what it is that God has entrusted to us as individuals, but also as a church. 
And what does it mean for us as individuals and as families and as a church to run our races well and to finish well? And so uh, any, any thoughts or um, just may, may, what's your sort of experience with some of this been like? Like, does, does this feel like it, it touches on an important point? Um, how, what's life in 2022 like for you? Much better than 2020, sure, yeah. Can amen to that. How about this? How many of you, and I'm not really looking for a raising of hands, but nodding of heads or shaking of heads could be helpful, right? How many of you resonate with words like these? Overwhelmed. Anybody ever feel overwhelmed kind of often? Exhausted? Depressed? Panicky? What about words like broken, paralyzed? What about empty, right? What about these words? Peaceful, calm, joyful, content, quiet, refreshed and rested. Fulfilled. What about the average person, and, I'm, and I am thinking largely about in the West, even in the church, but what about the average Westerner today? The average American? Which list of words does the average American probably uh, connect with more? The first one, Right? I don't think there's any, any doubting that. Even the average probably professing Christian, right? Obviously, we might look at the unbelieving world and say, well, of course the un- unbelievers are overwhelmed and depressed and panicky and stressed and broken. But Christians often feel that way. Christians f- find peace often eluding them. Joy is nowhere to be found. Quiet rest is unheard of especially if you have children, right? Sense of fulfillment, right? That what I do every day matters is, and is actually accomplishing something, right? So I think even if, if some of us or even most of us in this room, if, even if we might identify a lot with the second list of words, but, you know, or a list, you know, a similar list you might find in, in Galatians, through the Spirit, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control, right? Like, those are things that mark your life good and great. But the reality is that most people around you in your life do not feel that way. And I think this is for a, a, a lot of reasons. And so I don't, I don't mean to offer these next thoughts here as... The only reasons, but I do think they're important ones. So one, as we age, right, we obtain more responsibilities, bigger families, more problems, and we lose energy, right? Adults are generally more stressed out than kids, but that is becoming less true these days. Kids, teenagers are like their social anxiety is at, I mean, it's through the roof, Um 
children are bigger than ever, and I, uh, yeah, and, and just sad. They're sad. We're sad we, and, and stressed out. So that's one thing, right? As we, we, do, we, we do age and we obtain responsibilities and things happen, but also as technology develops around us, we are faced with new choices, with new challenges, with new opportunities and new threats. And so we must be sensitive to changes in us and changes around us. And to that sensitivity, we need to recalibrate our pace so that we avoid injury and or exhaustion and that we ensure a a happy and successful finish. It seems that as I've said, many Christians today, such pacing skills are in short supply. We just we say yes to everything. We go, 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 go. Christian men and women are crashing out all over the place in their fast-paced, frenetic, chaotic lives. According to one author, some 225 million workdays are lost every year in the United States due to stress. The data for pastors is especially worrying. High levels of stress handled poorly lead to depression, broken hearts, broken marriages, broken bodies, broken lives. In short, we're burning out. And this isn't surprising um, because I think probably pastors more than the average worker in general, but I think Americans... Today, especially, we hold things like, ironically, especially, this is more true probably in Christian circles, we hold things like physical exercise, nutrition, and sleep to be low priorities in our lives. So it seems that the the sheep are following the shepherds in this trend. Think about smartphones, right? These, These bad Larrys right here. 2007, the iPhone was invented. And uh, for better or worse, changed the world. Um, I was uh, 17 when that happened. And so I remember life before the smartphone, but I don't, I was, I don't remember adulthood, right? Some of you are old enough, you, you do remember, right? You were adults when that happened. You, you know what a calling card is. Used one. <laughs> Right? But with the, the smartphones, we took something incredible, the computer, and we shrank it down and we stuck it in our pockets with access to the Internet where we can Google whatever we want. We can text whoever we want. We can, I mean, just about every, I love music. So, I mean, look, I'm going to complain about smartphones and technology a lot in this class, but I love music, and Spotify is it's the jam. Like, I get there are, sure, there are downsides to it because now every moment of my life is filled with noise. But I, I love it. So there are good things about phones, right? But the stream of requests and tasks and opportunities and distractions, right? Our phones are designed to distract us, right? Notifications. How many, who in here, like, just... You don't have any notifications, like your phone doesn't ding or buzz ever. You're like, it's silence and anybody? Josh, nice. Yeah, so that's, that's mostly like, if, I, if someone sends me a text message, a little banner will come up, but my phone's, what's that? 
Yeah. Like my, uh, when, if I get a text, the banner will come up and, and say someone text me, but like my phone's always on silent, so I'm constantly missing phone calls, but, <laughs> um, but I do call back, so it's okay. Um, but it's this, you know, this thing, like they just ding, they buzz, and they're, they're, you know, you get the phantom vibration in your pocket, and you're like, oh, what was that? Check my phone. Oh, no one, no, that was nothing. You know, what was that? We're constantly just assuming that be, we're accessible, and so we ought to be accessible, and so it's, it's distracting. It takes away, but it also does good things, right? Um, anybody, would anybody, like I know that like they'll give you a little update every week about how much time you spend on your phone. How, what does that like for you when you get that message? Uh, I, I don't know if it, when you get it, mine comes on Sunday. Like, I don't care how long it doesn't. I don't want to know how long I was on my phone this week. How many hours a day did I use my screen, right? And now, that number doesn't represent what kind of time that was, admittedly. Um, But I always love, like, it is, my heart sings anytime I say it. And you said, it went down. And, like, your usage went down this week. Yeah, I'm like, how do I take a screenshot of this and post it to Facebook? But um, so smart for, that smartphones and other technologies—they they are absolutely a blessing. But there there are real downsides to them as well. Um, it's not immediately evident that the use of such technologies is the best or even at least always appropriate answer to the needs that we face. I love the movie Jurassic Park. Obviously because I like watching people being eaten by dinosaurs. But my favorite scene in the movie actually doesn't have a single dinosaur in it. Uh, it's the lunch scene. You know what I'm talking about? They're, they've... They've gotten, to the, they've gotten to the park, right? So the, the worker gets killed at the beginning, and so Hammond's got to fly in these scientists to approve the park. And he's got an attorney there, and, you know, are the, is the park going to close down? Is it safe for people to come? And so he's got Dr. Grant and Sattler there and Dr. Malcolm, and he's like, all right, let's, someone defend me, please, right? Because I don't want this park to go down. I've, you know, I spared no expense. Well, at one point in this conversation, um, Jeff Goldblum, the Jeff Goldblum, his character says to him, he says, you know, John, your, your scientists were so enamored with the fact that they could do this that they never stopped to ask what? Whether they should do this, right? Can and may aren't this, as we teach our kids, right? They're not the same thing. Right? Can I go to the bathroom? Well, obviously. But may I? Right? That's the question. Should I? So even if one grants that using technology, right, is permissible, which of course it is, right? Um, but how do we use it? And when do we use it? And why do we use it? Those are very important questions. So just because such technologies may be permissible doesn't mean that they're, that they're, they're best. And the fact is that most people, I think, in our culture, well, maybe not. I don't like. I think when people hear these types of conversations, that like something resonates in your soul, and even if you hadn't thought about it before, you're like, "Wow, yeah, amen to that." 
But, um, but many have, they've left these questions behind long ago, right? The motto of the technological age is, we can, therefore we should, and will. Um, Tony Rinke has written helpfully, though, on technology in the Christian life. He makes some excellent observations in his book, 12 Ways Your iPhone is Changing You. And uh, concerning the difference between just something like online interactions versus face-to-face interactions, he writes, when we remove part of our embodied personhood, that's another term. If you were thinking about terms and ideas to hang, you know, what hooks we're going to hang some thoughts on, embodied personhood is going to be a big one in this class. When we remove part of our embodied personhood, misunderstandings become easier. When we trade our physical arms that cross our eyes that linger, ears that detect sarcasm, and vocal tones that imply impatience or patience. For the two-dimensional avatar, we invite misunderstanding and tension. That's, that's rinky, right? Has that ever happened to you? Have you ever uh, ended up in an argument with someone? Not like a quarrel, right? You're quarreling with somebody, you're mad at somebody, or they're mad at you. And it seems like it's largely because this conversation was taking place over email or through text message, right? It's, there's something about it where it's just clear in your mind, if, if only we had just been having this conversation in person, this whole thing, this whole mess would have been avoided, right? It's important for us to know what te- dig- digital technologies in particular, what they can do, and what they can't do. And that's something we need to use. We need to use wisdom here. And I think that this is a big piece to this whole burnout culture that we sort of live in, right? And so there, there are two effects that I, that I want to highlight and we'll talk more about later. But I want to highlight here that I think this um, deluge of screens does to us. Two things, lonely communication, like I talked about in the, um, the, the, the intro, the, the um, description of the class, and then uh, ineffective efficiency. So lonely communication, right? What, like, what's the, what's like the example par excellence of lonely communication in our day? Huh? What is it? Uh, emojis, yeah, I mean, that's, that, yes, but, like, I'm even a little bit broader than that. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. So, so, social media, right, is, is is kind of the broad sweeping category. And also, again, to be clear, this is at no point in this whole class am I going to tell any of you to delete your social media accounts. Uh, so just that caveat there. But lonely communication, right? We, we are constantly, so social media, whether it's Facebook or Instagram or um, whatever else, Snapchat, TikTok, some of those. I think Vine isn't a thing any longer, Twitter. Just or texting, right? That's not really maybe in that same kind of category, but we're where we have these things where we have these friends or these followers, right? We haven't met most of them, or if we do, that 
We don't really know what's, really know what's, what's going on and, and who they are. But it's, it's lonely, right? We're talking all the time. All the time. You can, you can pick up your phone right now and text or call or message or you know, tweet at or whatever someone on the other side of the world. Oh, and your watch. Yeah. Your watches can text, right? We don't even, you know. That's always such a, it's the, the, uh, the it being on your watch now is such a weird thing because when I'm talking to someone, and I do this like too, I'm not, I'm not like casting stones, but like you're in a conversation and you pull your phone out to look at maybe what, who just texts you or you're checking the time or, or whatever, you know. Um, there's so many things that could be going on that for me at least, I don't immediately, generally I think assume something super negative about it. For some reason, the watch thing, you know, because the watch for so long has been like, what time is it, right? So you're talking to someone and they're like constantly, you know, they're doing this. Like, are they getting text messages? Are they checking their, their, the time, what's happening there? And then I, I assume the best. I'm like, oh, they're just, someone's blowing their phone up. They're getting text messages. And then I realize that they just have a regular watch like mine and they're just checking the time because they're ready to be done talking to me. So I'm like, no, got it. But we're lonely, right? We talk to people. There is something. There is something important for sustained like, life and longevity of, of whatever it is you're doing about having human interactions, right? I, uh, for, uh, I think most of you know, right, so I'm, I'm working on my doctorate at Reformed Presbyterian Theological Seminary right now. And in the summer, I, I went on a three-day prayer retreat by myself, I, I had my phone, but I wasn't really supposed to use it, and um, I generally didn't. But I was, I was alone for three days. I was with God. I'll say I was with the Lord for three days, and Jesse and I talked on the phone a couple times, but like in the evenings when I was done. But I would not make it in solitary confinement. If I ever go to prison or something like that, and I'm locked up with no, like, I will not last long, I promise. Um, so... Being, not having a person to talk to, like that is, and I know some, like Jesse, on the other hand, would flourish in solitary confinement. <laughs> so like, I do get that different, it's different strokes for different folks. I get it's different, but at some level, even Jesse would crack. At some level, like 15 years in, she'd be like, okay, fine, I need someone to talk to. We get lonely, and and. The social media thing, it, it's an illusion, right, is what it is. It creates this illusion of friendship and community. That's what they're, they're online communities, right? And in a sense, fine, like we can call them. That's okay. But if we allow that to really be like, this is community, it's not. This is community, right, where you actually see each other, right? You can give each other a high five or a handshake or a hug, right? power of a hug. Or ineffective efficiency. What do, I, what, do you, what do I mean by What do you think I mean by that? What is ineffective efficiency? Yep. So sort of the way that I, I kind of wrote it out was, I spend more time working and less time fill in the blank, right? At home with my wife, with my children, more time, you know, less time kayaking, 
right? Gardening, right? Doing something that, like, I'm not, I'm not trying to say that work is bad, right? Work is a gift from God. Work was something that he gave to us before the fall. But I spend more time, like, I, because I've become more efficient, right? Now I don't, like, I've, so I've been, I love reading stories about, um, like, the 1800s, particularly if people are, um, I read a book recently about the, in, the, in the Heart of the Sea about the, the tragedy of the whale ship Essex that was um, sunk by the sperm whale. That was a true story that kind of prompted Mer- Melville's uh, book, Moby Dick. So I read that, and I love reading about that time because it's just so different <laughs> than now where these guys, they left, and then it's months later before they get to a point where they can drop off a letter to go back home to their families. And then they sail from that port, and then it's months later before they get to the next one, before they can see, did my family get the letter, answer it, and send it ahead to where I was going next, right? Um, now, I mean, it's, it's, it's so fast. So we've become so efficient with so many things that we do. And I, I, efficiency is great, but more important than efficiency is effectiveness, right? It's is what I, am I doing the right thing? Not just just because I'm doing things more quickly. That doesn't tell me if what I'm doing is heading in the right direction, right? I, you can run like the hare as fast as possible, but if he had been running in the wrong direction, he's he's going to lose the race. Even worse than he than he did in in his story where he just kind of stops at the end. And so, one thing to avoid burnout that we need to think about is not just having. I think, good, proper boundaries of communication with one another and what that looks like, but also this idea of effectiveness and efficiency, that I know not just how to do things quickly, but I know how to do things well. Um, we, we also have, you know, so general experiences, right? We said this, you know, we're depressed, anxious, stressed, joyless, right? And this isn't so much a caveat, but I guess I'll call it that. Like, a lot of what I'm talking about are, they're good things, we're doing good things. It's just unsustainable. The pace is, is unsustainable. We're not asking the question of, should I do it this way? And so I think people are, are crashing out. Uh, all right. What is Gnosticism? This is an important question. What's Gnosticism? Generally speaking. It doesn't have to be a... Yep, so there's a, a major emphasis on knowledge. What, do, what about um, sort of, so man, we would say, uh, there's a, a duality, right? We are body and soul, right? What does Gnosticism generally think about that? Spirit, good, flesh, bad, right? Um, the relationship between the body and soul uh, has been a struggle all throughout church history. The various isms that have arisen about it, whether it's life in general or thinking about the, the, the person uh, of Christ, right? Whether you have things like proto-Gnosticism, Gnosticism, Docetism, you know, other heresies, right? With, you know, just stick an ism on it and it's probably, probably bad. Um, just kidding. Uh, Calvinism, right? Isn't that's that's not bad. 
they held, these, these doctrinal beliefs held that there was a, a necessary separation, um, or some of them a mixture between the body and the soul, and they, they held those things in detrimental and heretical ways, right? So is the physical world, and therefore the body, evil, right? Is the body meant to be punished and discarded as quickly as possible? Heaven, in other words, in this line of thinking, is the release of the soul from the physical prison of embodiment. Or maybe it's not evil, but maybe it's inconsequential. It doesn't really matter what you do with the body. You can take it or leave it, take care of it or neglect it, whatever. It's all fair game. Um, The secular world, uh, holding on to something called personhood theory... um, has bought into this, right? And Nancy Piercy in her book, Love Thy Body, uh, describes this excellently. She says, according to personhood theory, when talking about the, about the human as a biological organism, we're in the realm of science, where life has been reduced to a mere mechanism with no intrinsic purpose or dignity. And so whatever immaterial aspect of a person may exist is unrelated and disconnected from the facts of the world and therefore Um, untreatable, and inconsequential. So mere biological beings uh, are given mere biological treatments uh, in in the secular world often. Now what I think is a misguided attempt to avoid such thinking and practices, many Christians have swung too far to the other side of the argument, and we seem to view man as essentially a spiritual being. Right, who just happens to be encased in a physical body. So, for many, on the secular side, the body is all that there is. Though, interestingly enough, that's becoming less true in our present day with the way they treat the body. But for, for Christians, the, the idea largely is, I am a spirit, I have a body. Have you heard that before? I want to contend... Not a thought original to me that, no, you are a spirit. You are a body, right? You are your body. As disappointing to some of us as that may be. But you are. But you're not only your body. You are more than that. And so much in, in, in Christian counseling, Christian ministry, and Christian life, the body gets neglected. So, we need to wrap. We need to wrap here um, to have time to get our kids and get back over here. But I want to. I want to just give a quick, real quick outline, a minute or so, about some of the things we're going to hit. Uh, admittedly, um, uh, this isn't a fully formed outline of everything we're going to talk about in this class, but it's it'll give you the the basics of of the most important stuff. And so. Today, you know, we're just trying to be honest. Uh, today and, and some of next week, I think, we're just honest about how bad things are, right? About w- what really is going on, what's really the problem. Next week also, we'll talk about a little bit more about how we got here. And then I really just want to, in terms of this, this goal of beating burnout, I think we need a proper theology of the body and a proper theology of the soul. And so as we think about the body, we're going to talk about a theology of s- things like sleep, theology of work, theology of play, a theology of food. At least those, uh, what, four things there. So we'll talk about those. 
as far as the theology of the soul. I want to talk about uh, theology of identity. Who are you? Theology of our thoughts, our emotions, and our volition. Right? As uh, we are thinking, feeling, and choosing beings. I want to think about a theology of limits. You are not God. We're not. And so that should help inform us so that we don't burn out. A theology of friendship. And then a sort of theology of maybe resurrection or a theology of the new man. And so I'm going to end, with, end by reading from Hebrews chapter 12. Uh, I said that, that text in Acts and the one here in Hebrews will, um, will kind of be our uh, you know, two texts that we'll, you know, we'll hang a lot of this on. Um, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, those back in chapter 11, right? he says, Let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And so, tips, tricks, and strategies, sure, but looking to Jesus every moment, every day, that will get us to the end. So, let me pray, and then we will get ready for worship. Father, thank you for your Word, thank you for uh, this class and this opportunity that we have to consider, I, I hope and think, some very helpful, important, and practical things. Lord, we love you, and we ask that you would help us to run well all the way to the end, the course that you have given to us, the ministry that you've given to us, that the world um, might uh, know and, and love Jesus um, because of uh, in part because of, of what you are doing through us here at Redeemer Baptist Church in Rinkin, Georgia. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.